Hey, listen, welcome to the Hey Listen Gamescast. My name is Jeffrey Morris. I'm your host here on the Hey Listen Gamescast, and joining me here today, the one and only Rob Douglas. How's it going, Rob? Not too bad. So, you know, <laughs> video games. Yeah, lots of video games. Uh, actually, actually, quite a bit of news this week. Um, Nathan is not here this week. We actually fired him from the show, so he's uh, not allowed to be on the show anymore. Um, he's just missed too many episodes. So uh, if you miss Nathan, uh, send us some tweets at the Nathan Wagner, and uh, maybe uh, he'll uh, actually come and join us on the show again. <laughs> uh, we didn't actually fire him. <laughs> uh, but hopefully Nathan's listening to this and stressing out a little bit. Um, so on on today's show, we're going to break down some news. We we're going to talk about the Switch launch lineup, and you know this the Switch launch lineup is growing. Um, it's crazy, uh, but every week it's like one or two new games are announced that they're coming out and launch. So that's cool. We talk about that, and then uh, we have a neat little section on esports. Rob's been doing some research. He's going to us drop some awesome stats and kind of the history of esports um, on us. We'll talk, you know, kind of current events with there. Um, and then, you know, we'll just uh, end what we're playing with. Might have time for a, a viewer question at the end as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us here. Um, the first big news uh, story that we wanted to share was uh, last week, Marvel and Square Enix announced an Avengers project that they were going to do a multi-game deal to develop with Idios Montreal, um, which is known for doing the Deus Ex games, as well as Crystal Dynamics, who um, you know were the developers from the very... Um, critically acclaimed uh, Tomb Raider, uh, the last two Tomb Raider games. And so, wow, Marvel, they said they're going to be announced with these great studios. You know, they've already announced mm-hmm. the Telltale game for Guardians and the Spider-Man with Insomniac. Very exciting. There's probably another one I and, can't uh, think of right now. Uh, Marvel versus Capcom. Yeah, yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Um, and now we're getting some type of an Avengers game with these amazing studios. Like, I loved the new uh, Tomb Raider reboot, and just to think that there's going to be some oh, yeah, open-world superhero game made by them, like, oh, I'm so excited. And if you watch the trailer, it's pretty dark. I mean, it looks like all the Avengers have been, all the, the traditional Avengers have been killed, and I, I saw, I was reading an article, and it was saying that um, the best possibility is that the Avengers that they're going for is actually the next generation of Avengers, so like Sam oh, Wilson okay. is Captain America. It's so like the uh, current like comic ones that are a little different. Yeah, yeah. So, gotcha. But I mean, it's all theory at this point, and so we can't really. I I think that would be cool. I think it'd be exciting to go into a new level of the Marvel universe yeah. that people haven't seen in the cinematic universe. So. I think especially if they make multiple games, like they're saying, like it would yeah. be cool to get you know different games based on different Avengers or superhero teams, Marvel characters, like. You know, I think it would take serious guts to put out <laughs> Avengers game and not have you know Captain America and Hulk as like the main characters. But uh, yeah, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see, see where they go with that. Um, we know those teams are really talented, and they'll put out, put out something fun. I mean, DSX I thought always looked fun. I actually picked up one of them on PS3 um, for on sale, but I haven't I haven't touched it yet. Just I've, I've been so busy; it's been in my backlog, and. You know, take a game formula like that, throw in, you know, Thor, or kind of run around and beat the crap out of people. Like, I'm totally, I'm down for that. So, oh, yeah, sounds great. Yeah, you know, those, the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games were a lot of fun, but, you know, they've definitely haven't aged quite as well. And just to see, you know, a more modern version of the yeah. Avengers or Marvel, even if it's just a beat em up, I think would be a lot of fun. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so look forward to more news about that. They said it's coming out next year, so it's still, still a while off, but uh, pretty exciting uh, to, news to look forward to. Um, ukulele has gone gold. The uh, game is completed development. So uh, we we sent a tweet earlier this week. You know, just congratulating Platonic teams. You know, they originally were were wanting to get the game out last year, but uh, had to you know put it, give it a little more time in the oven, which I think was fine with me and all the other people yeah, who oh, who, yeah. oh, who uh, backed it on on Kickstarter. And, you know, this game seems like it's going to be such a success. You know, from being a Kickstarter project, it was funded within, like, an hour or two, I remember. Like, because <laughs> I, I pledged, like, in that first hour, I was so excited, you know, about this team. And uh, it got fully funded and, you know, way more. And so they've been doing mm-hmm. all these backer goals. Like, they just announced multiplayer and some other cool stuff for it. Um, and they are going to be giving Wii U backers the option to either switch to another version, whether it's Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One, PC, or um, even the opportunity to get a refund and get your money back. So that is kind of cool that, you know, they did cancel the Wii U one, but they are giving you the option to switch it or um, get your money back. So a um, bit of a bummer for Wii U owners, I know, but hopefully this means that the Switch version is going to get some extra love. And um, Because a lot of people don't know, but they originally said that 
another team would be handling the ports for the PS4 and PC Xbox versions. And the yeah. core team would be developing on the Wii U. Um, and they wanted to, you know, have some special features on the Wii U version. And so um, hopefully that kind of thought has been carried over to the Switch version. And we're going to get some some cool bonuses or just, you know, some extra love put into the Switch version. Even if it doesn't come out at the same time as the other ones in April 11th. So um, I don't know. What, what do you think, Rob? I'm really excited about this game. Um, I think, I mean, I played the uh, the toy box back in, a few months ago, um, and that was awesome. It was super fun to play that, and I really just enjoyed the gameplay. The platforming was really precise, and the acting, or like the voices were that classic Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the humor was great. I mean, there was just these little dry, like quick little snippets of things, and you're just like, wait, what? What did he just yeah. say? Yeah. I love and the character design, too. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm really excited about this. The real question is, are you going to... Because I know you pre-ordered it for the Wii U. Yeah, well, I, I, backed, I backed the Wii U version. You um, backed the Wii U version. Are you going to wait for the Switch version, which might be you know two, maybe three months oh, after the oh, initial release know. of the PS4, Xbox One, and PC version, or are you going to switch to one of the uh, other systems? Well, it, here's the thing. Um... I'm obviously very excited to play this game. I want to get my hands on it as soon as possible. Mm. However, not only does this game just feel like it should be played on a Nintendo console, you know, it feels like a Nintendo game. Um, having this game portable would be so awesome. And this would be a great game to just have, you know, digitally on my Switch to be able to, you know, just pop in and play while I'm waiting for Mario or, you know, other mm. games to come out. And um, they did say that the Switch version is going to be digital uh, launch at first because for whatever reason you know they haven't had time to make the make it physical on uh, Switch yet. So yeah. I think I might back it on Switch my version to the Switch. And, you know I might have to wait a couple more months or something like that. If I can't really wait, then I might just you know pick up the PS4 version like in a <laughs> box or something like that. Because even when it does come to Switch, it uh, it uh, won't have physical right away. So I think yeah. I I probably will switch it to the Switch one and hopefully it doesn't take too long. Um, if and if I get too impatient, I can you know pick up the PS4 one. I can get for about thirty bucks with my the Gamers Club discount. So mm-hmm. not not so too if, bad. If you guys have some theories, hit us up on Twitter uh, at HeyListen underscore Games, and let us know if you think Jeff will switch to the <laughs> Switch, or if he's going to not be able to stand the wait, get impatient, and switch <laughs> to the PS4. Grab, grab, grab the PS4. I mean, I only I think I only pay like eighteen bucks or something. For my digital yeah, version, yeah. I backed, which the game's forty bucks, so like, I don't feel bad, you know, spending a full forty dollars to get it for another system. I think the team oh, yeah. deserves it, but the support. But anyways, moving on from there, um, that's exciting. Congratulations to the team for for finishing development on that one. Um, so the Nintendo Switch, we're gonna talk a little bit about the launch lineup. Um, originally, when in the Nintendo Switch was launched, um, let, let me pull the list here. We had um, four games. Or five games announced as launch games. We had Zelda, 1-2 Switch, Bomberman R, Skylanders, and Just Dance. Um, and everyone's like, oh, yo, why is the launch lineup so small? This is insane. That's the smallest launch lineup we've ever seen. And Which, you know, isn't even true. There's been much smaller launch lineups than uh, mm-hmm. five games. But um, now, today, uh, as of January 31st, the launch lineup consists of three first-party games, Snipper Clips, 1-2 Switch, and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which, by the way, don't sleep on Snipper Clips. That game looks amazing. I'm totally getting that. <laughs> they even asked it's four players. Like I thought yeah, it was only going to be two players. So Yeah, it looks really interesting. It'll be a good puzzle platformer. Yeah, it looks looks like a really fun party game. Um, so Snipper Clips, 1-2 Switch, Zelda. And then, additionally, there's The Binding of Isaac, Afterbirth Plus, Just Dance, I Am Setsuna, Little Inferno, Skylanders, Bomberman R., and uh, World of Goo, which was actually like a Nintendo Wii WiiWare game, which apparently has been remastered and new stuff has been added. So, uh, total now we're at four, or excuse me, three first-party games and eight third-party games. And if you uh, go back to our old episode, Rob and I both made some predictions. I predicted that there would be four first-party games and ten thir- third-party. So overshot by a little bit, but pretty close. Uh, Rob, what was your prediction? Uh, I said three first-party games, and I believe I said five third-party games we couldn't remember and we went back and we were listening <laughs> to it and trying to remember what i said and we couldn't rem- i couldn't remember if i said five or eight and so <laughs> well, if i said eight i'm a genie and 
profit and compared we're, to the we're future, right there though so we were pretty spot on five, yeah i do want to give we're us some credit close. i think we we're pretty close there um and who knows you know they, they've been announcing launch games confirming launch games you know every week so we could get maybe a few more confirmed as launch they originally said snipper clips was sometime in march but now it's apparently a launch game so um we'll see um the exciting thing that i did hear konami um they, they said on twitter um and i hope that it was an official confirmation because it was on their one of their twitter pages but they said that super bomberman r um supports multiplayer with one game card so you know in the ds era or even the 3ds um if one person had a game card they could send you know like a version of the game for other players to download and then you could all play multiplayer together even though only one person owned the game it's one of the coolest features of the ds like i had bomberman ds that was one of my first games i purchased um and i played it with like six seven friends all the time I, I was the only one of my friends who had it, but we'd get together and we'd all play all these different crazy Bomberman modes with our DSs because all my friends had DSs and I had Bomberman. And so I'm so excited. Like that brings a lot more value to Bomberman R for me because I'm going to have friends who have the Switch who might not have Bomberman R and I would love to be able to get together and just, you know, blow blow each other up with them um, when they have their, their own Switch. And so that's exciting because, you know, I probably won't have more than the two Joy-Con controllers at, at yeah. once. So <laughs> be a good way to, to, to play some more multiplayer um, with other friends. But I think it's really cool. If, if this is really true that Switch games can do download play like that, um, obviously the big one for me, I think, would be Mario Kart. Like, can you imagine, Rob? Like, you buying Mario Kart 8, coming over to my house, and then, like, sharing it with, like, me and Nathan and other people with just your one game. We're all racing together. <laughs> it just sounds so great. Because, I mean, it's back to the old days of, you know, local uh, local uh, multiplayer. Yeah, local you know, land play. The, the one, one console, and, you know, you're all jumping on it with a bunch of controllers. But, like, the fact that you can do that is so... And it's really convenient. I think it'll be a, a big seller. And just... I mean, I, I love that idea, and I, that means you don't. I don't have to spend all the money on the games. You guys buy all the games, I'll just buy a Switch. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, it was actually funny. Um, back in the 3DS era, it was right after Nathan got his 3DS. I already had mine before him, and um, we played Mario Kart 7, like, all the time. Like, we, that was that was our go-to game before Pokemon X and Y came out. And uh, uh, it was awesome, because you could actually play every single racetrack or every battle mode, like, level and everything with a friend. Just if you own the game, you got to pick your own character and like customize your own cart and all the different pieces. Um, and if you didn't have the game, you were forced to be just, I think, like blue shy guy or something. <laughs> so Nathan was always so offended. He's like, oh, I have to be stupid blue shy guy. And so finally for like his birthday that year, like I bought him Mario Kart 7. And he, and he first thing he says, he opens it and he's like, yes, I don't have to be a shy guy anymore. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I think it'd be cool if they did something like that with Mario Kart, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, Matt B in the comments the also uh, brought up he hopes that Splatoon has that uh, the oh, download okay. play. So, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, we don't know anything about Splatoon or too much about Splatoon 2 yet because it is, uh, it's not a launch title. It does come out a little bit later this yeah. year. But, I'm sure we'll get, like, a Nintendo Direct, like, early summer or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So here's hoping that it does have that download play because that would be awesome. That's the game that we really want to have download play. Yeah. That, that Kart. For download play for that would be sweet. Um, and then... The biggest feature, which I don't think they're going to do, I mean, I figured they would have shown it by now, is I really wanted, like, split-screen multiplayer. So, like, yeah. even if it was just, like, a two-player split-screen, you could go online and, you know, jump into a game. Um, I think that would be awesome. The original Splatoon had a 1v1 dual mode that was, like, uniquely made, but it wasn't necessarily a ton of fun. I mean, I, I never really played it a ton. Um, but I think if you could, you know, have two, three, four friends all sitting on a couch, hey, let's all go jump online and play or do hey maybe a 2v2 mm -hmm. match um i think that could be a lot of fun so i'm hoping they do yeah. that as well but um yeah obviously we'll have to wait and see get more information on splatoon um i i'm glad that they're they're doing a lot of new stuff with that game like all the the super weapons are like completely new they're not bringing back you know the old kraken and ink strike they're bring, bringing all new ones in and then the the dual wielding guns look cool and i know i just i just think it'll be a, a really good um sequel that changes you know a lot of different things that are different and who knows what the story mode is going to be like I, yeah, I think yeah i think that was really well received the original story mode um you know it was a little bit short but i think most people had a lot of fun the bosses were really really cool well designed and so um, i'm excited to hopefully see a little bit more of that um story mode in there yeah yeah we'll find out more about that and it'll be really exciting to hear what they have going on for that game yeah so uh 
Uh, we'll see. Maybe uh, next week we'll have more games in our Switch launch lineup. Um, <laughs> uh, but for me, I, I think right now I'm getting Zelda and Snipper Clips for sure. Um, and then I'll get Bomberman depending on the price. I don't think they've still officially confirmed a price on, no, uh, on Bomberman yet. yet. So I'll have to wait and see on that. Hopefully we get some virtual console support at launch. Uh, imagine how awesome that would be is like turning on your Switch day one, checking the eShop. And, your, surprise! The there's... There's all your games that you can re-download, and oh look, there's Mario Sunshine and uh, Super Smash Bros. Yeah. Melee. Like the the world would like explode. That that'd be so exciting. That would, that would be uh, what was it? That was one of your biggest. Uh, your uh, not sure if it would happen prediction for the Switch. Yeah, it, it was a big dream. You know, you wanted that virtual <laughs> virtual console there, and, and we'll see. Virtual I mean, console there, day one. I mean, they haven't said anything about it just yet. They did say that there would be they would honor that. He mm-hmm. said that he wanted to make sure that it happened, but well, I I don't know if it'll be a day one thing or yeah. I mean at the well, current rate, we'll it, see. It's interesting too because with the Wii, that was such a selling point of the week. That was the first time yeah. they were doing virtual console, and uh, they had virtual console there day one. And they were, I remember Mario sixty four came out like a week or two after the Wii came out, like boom, one of the best games of all time. There you go. Um, and then the three days came out and it added in the support a lot later. Um, the Wii, Wii U did the same thing. They said it had a virtual console, but it didn't really launch till like almost a year later, um, or later that year. And so, uh, um, hopefully the Switch, you know, gets that virtual console support, you know, right away. I feel like Nintendo should be able to figure out how to <laughs> emulate yeah. their old games on their new console without having to delay that feature. But they haven't said anything, so who knows? We'll see. And I mean, it is... You know, even if it is a, a month or two afterwards, it would still be in a good time slot, you know, because obviously they have a lot of hype going into this one. There's been a lot of marketing thing that has been totally new and different for uh, Nintendo. They've been trying to really mm-hmm. push the millennial uh, marketing level. And and so, you know, if their marketing's this good, hopefully, hopefully that means that they actually are really being for the fans going yeah. into this. And so the virtual console will be something that comes out really soon, if not at launch. But um, I feel like, yeah, uh, honestly, if it doesn't come out within the first few months, they're shooting themselves in the foot and they're going <laughs> to they're gonna, they're gonna lose probably a lot of profits and yeah, fans what, on it. Well, we, we know that Nintendo doesn't sell their consoles um, at a loss. Like They, they make sure that they're making yeah, us a little oh, bit yeah. of money with each one, as opposed to, you know... Sony, Microsoft typically um, would sell their consoles at more at a at a loss and make the money back up on software. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nintendo said they are making a profit, uh, and they have announced that the pre-orders went so well that so many people pre-ordered that they're actually increasing their manufacturers. So like they we're going to make you know who knows how much let's say you know a million for the next month. Um, they're increasing whatever that was. They said, hey, pre-orders looking yeah. good. We're going to be ramping up our manufacturing which is awesome seems like nintendo might actually be learning and being de- delivered directly to us you know more <laughs> more we'll uh, switches more we'll consoles see. you know we won't have too many shortages we'll see how that actually turns out but um it seems like nintendo is learning and you know moving moving in the right direction so we're, we're excited we're, we're only 30 days away it's kind of crazy to think we're 30 days wow. away from a new nintendo coming really fast so yeah. hopefully um, um over the next month we'll get a lot of information about some if there is virtual console and all that and if more, not more information on online would be nice <laughs> yeah um well one more thing we did want to say about the switch before we move on here is that um cases have actually started popping up like in stores in japan so like mm-hmm. actual you know the clear cases with the game covers and everything and it looks like the switch games will have this really nice interior art inside the cases um, so, like, when you open up the case, rather than just having, you know, a blank white backing from the other side of the the printed case cover, um, there's, like, just really cool artwork and different, like, designs and stuff. Oh, and yeah. so, they, there's pictures of, like, popped up on Twitter, and they just looked, all looked really, really neat and really cool. And, like, yeah, I was considering going digital, because, you know, this is, I've never really been a big digital guy. I, I buy mm-hmm. indie games, you know, virtual console stuff, obviously, but my retail games, I usually always buy in retail. Um, but after seeing these beautiful cases, I'm like... <laughs> I, I gotta go physical. I love these cases. I love having these on my shelf. They're gonna look so nice. Um, so I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna buy my games retail still. But uh, I hope it's not just like a you know because it did pop up in stores in Japan. I hope it's not just like an international thing where it yeah 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 Japan and not here. But I hope so. I I honestly miss the days of 
everything in the case, you know, like yeah. the, the manuals, manuals there, <laughs> the, the, like more information about the game was there. The yeah. art was there. I and mean, that was just, those were just great times because you there was special just, artwork was, made just for the manuals back then. Yeah. It was, it was an adventure in itself, an experience in of itself to open <laughs> up, a, open up that case and you didn't even have to play the game. You got such joy out of reading the manual yeah. and looking at the art and enjoying the story that was there <laughs> in the books and I, the little manuals you had. And then you went and played the game. And... I, I remember as a kid, I would, like, gather up all my N64 manuals and, like, put them, like, on my little shelf on my bed. And I would just, like, yeah. flip through them at night and just, yeah. you know, relook at the artwork and the story and stuff like that. And or if you got stuck um, awesome. on the game, you would go to the manual and see if they had anything, like anything possible that would yeah. help you. <laughs> I I actually did that uh, earlier this week when I was playing Donkey Kong Jungle Bee. That's my first time playing through it. And uh, I got off eBay and it, you know, it came with all the original manual and everything. And so I was playing with Nathan and we were trying to figure out some of the controls. I'm like, oh, let me check the manual and all this cool art. I'm like, oh, you got to do, you know, push both bongos to jump and do, you know, clap to attack and other things. So yeah. it's it's great to be able to have those. Um, so it'd be great to see if there's manuals. Like, they kind of stopped. I doubt it. They phased out manuals, you know, this last generation. But, you know, at least it's cool. There's a little extra effort by making some nice mm -hmm. art inside of the cases. But great. Rob, you want to hit up our next news segment here? Yeah, really quickly. Uh, just kind of a... a Sad day, um, the 22nd of January. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name because I'm terrible at pronouncing things. But uh, Masea Nakamura died. Uh, I um, think that's how you say it. Yeah, I, I think that's how you say it. Uh, he's the founder of Namco, which uh, he established actually as a toy company back in 1955. Mr. Nakamura, uh, yep. Yeah, and he um, eventually they uh, started dipping their fingers into arcade and they are most famous for developing and publishing the arcade versions of Pac-Man, Dig Dug, and Pole Position. Just a little-known game called Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's pretty sad, uh, but the company obviously has been moving on past him for a while now uh, with their uh, uh, union with uh, Bandai. Oh yeah, Bandai Namco. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple a couple years ago. So they've been they've been doing pretty well with their game. So they've been producing and uh, Pac-Man obviously is a pretty big stable. But and so I, yeah. I believe he's been out of the company for a while and retired. But it is a sad day when you know yeah. one of these it, uh, forefathers of video games goes. Yeah, that's totally what it is. A, a forefather of video games. I know for tons of people, you know, especially before you know, kind of you know, people older than us, even you know, those games were so formational and in getting video games into the mainstream, like. Pac-Man became a household name. You know, you could go to arcades and play Pac-Man and Dig Dug, and you know, people recognize those games. And uh, even um, today, like when S Smash Four, like Bandai Namco helped with some of the development of uh, the new Smash Bros. Mm -hmm. And so people are speculating, oh, maybe Pac-Man will be in there. You know, he's the Namco mascot. And when that reveal trailer hit with Pac-Man confirmed, and they're like, the internet just like exploded. They're just like, yeah, oh, we love Pac-Man so much. He's in a new game, and oh my goodness, so. Um, I've got a lot of love for Pac-Man. I love Pac-Man games. Um, I still play, you know, Pac-Man Pac 256 or Turbo mm -hmm. Championship Edition or the original. Um, um, those games are just uh Which actually is available in the Humble Bundle right now. Ooh, there's your Humble Bundle shout-out. <laughs> Humble Bundle shout-out. Haven't done one for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and those three games that you mentioned too, Rob, um, actually it was Pac-Man, Dig Dug, Pole Position, and also Galaga. Um, yeah. Those four... My dad had on his like old Windows like ninety eight like work computer oh, as a kid, or maybe it was like Windows ninety six. And so whenever I'd go visit my dad at work, like and he needed to go do something, he would just like pull up one of those games on his computer, and I would sit there and just like play it for like as long as I could and try to set high scores every time I would go. So yeah, yeah. I, I have really good memories of those um, those original Namco games. Yeah, I have great memories with uh, Pac Man in the arcade booths. You know, like the one where you could sit down. And it was like the top down looking at it. Um, and you have the controllers on, there's controllers on both sides so you could do multiplayer like you yeah. go and then the other person tries to beat your high score and you could just kind of go back and forth I had some great memories of doing that with some of my friends and brothers and yeah you know, so and it, it, it's a sad day rip um, <laughs> great legacy yep all right so we're gonna move on into our second segment for today's show we're gonna be talking a little bit about esports um, obviously esports is one of those things that kind of gets bigger and bigger every year. Um, and whether you like to acknowledge it or not, there's, you know, a huge following. So, uh, Rob, I, I know you, you've been uh, doing a little bit of research here, so I'll just hand it over to you. 
All right, so I'll try not to overwhelm you guys with facts because obviously you guys want to hear our opinions about things, but there are some facts that are really important to go with the esports. The first esport competition actually happened in 1972 what? at Stanford University for a little game called Space War. I bet there was like four people there. <laughs> you actually have a picture, and it looked like there was at least 20 or 30 people. Okay, there. awesome. So, I mean, it, was, awesome. it was a pretty big, it was at least big enough that you know there, a couple people showed up, but That's apparently cool. invited students out to it. Um, I don't know if there was a prize or anything like that, but. The first esport competition happened in 1972. That's, That's crazy. ridiculous. So right? esports is like 40 something years old. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, obviously, it's it wasn't quite the same because it was all uh, local uh, land. So yeah, um, and then you know, land parties, broadband, internet, South Korea. Later, here we are. <laughs> South one Korea. of the largest growing industries in the world. Um, and just some crazy statistics for you guys. I was looking these up, and I was kind of hoping to find a couple uh, just big bombs to drop on you guys. First off, there are 24 international tournaments that take place every year. Um, 24 different games basically go into this. Some of them are the same, but, I mean, anywhere yeah. from Smash Bros to League of Legends to Dota to uh, Counter-Strike to Halo, even. Yeah. Um. One of, uh, in 2013, uh, League of Legends sold out the Staples Center, 40,000 people oh in gosh. a couple of hours. Just like I mean, so online ticket sales sold out like Yeah, the Lakers haven't managed to do that in several years. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know that hurts Rob too, you being a Lakers oh, fan. Oh <laughs> man, Lakers all the way, let's go. <laughs> um, this one was kind of crazy. Uh, back in 2014, they put out a statistic about, um, some of the uh, the big sports in the world. So uh, the Super Bowl had a 112.2 million watchers or viewers. Yeah. And the next one on the list is League of Legends, a tournament in South Korea in 2014, had 27 million people watching. Holy cow. Uh, which, to put into perspective, the Masters... That same year, 25 million. Dota 2 competition had 20 million. NBA Finals had 15.5 million. World Series had 13.8 million. And the Stanley Cup Finals only had 5 million watching. Which means that... That, that was in 2013. Outdid, that, was, that was in 2014. Oh, 2014, okay. So that means it outdid the Masters, the NBA Finals, the World Series, and Stanley Cup Finals. And obviously, with the latest World Series with the Cubs, it probably was blown out of proportion, as well yeah, as the yeah. NBA Finals with the Warriors that's and the Cubs. That's a specific it, slice, there, but... Those are some bigger ones. Um, but that's crazy. But I mean, still, for like a, people to like say that esports aren't really a thing and <laughs> that you know it's not that popular, like why is this on TV? You know, they have... ESPN, ESPN2 has started dipping their toes into esports by putting, you know, Street Fighter and those other competitions. Yeah. And I, I had a, uh, a, a friend who uh, I, I was talking to, and uh, we were part of like a, a church group. And uh, they're like, oh, we're not going to be here next week. And like, they didn't really want to say why. And like, uh, her uh, husband works for Valve. And uh, oh, so wow, I know, yeah. Yeah, they were both really, you know, really big into games and stuff. And uh, they didn't really want to say. And then, and she's like, oh, we're we're just we're going to like this competition. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, like is it like a football game or what? And she's like, oh, it's 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 a, it's a game. You probably heard it. It's called Dota. I'm like, oh yeah, I know what Dota is. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I know it's really weird. I'm like, no, I think that's awesome. Like, that's cool. But like, it, it almost kind of has like a stigma of like, oh yeah, it does. It does. I watch someone play video games. But like, there's huge crowds. Like, there's huge competitions. People, you know do the crazy like cosplay and you know go yeah, go yeah. out and you know meet people they've been chatting with or come together because the you know there's players favorite players that they have and stuff so um it's kind of interesting that there's still kind of a stigma, stigma like any, anytime nope. espn uh posts like on their social media like uh yeah. anything about esports news like guaranteed every time the top comments like it's not even a real sport like there's just all these uh -huh. trolls getting mad that they're talking about people playing that um which you know i understand it doesn't necessarily take um lebron like athletic abilities to necessarily be good at those type of video games but you can't say it doesn't take hours of thousands of hours of dedication yeah. and practice and endurance and stuff like that to <laughs> to be able to do the things those guys do so no it's crazy what they do uh, just a couple more st uh, statistics, and then we'll actually talk about some of those things that you brought up because those are really important questions that we should discuss. Yeah. But uh, biggest one right now, uh, as of 2016, the industry itself is a 500 
$500 million industry, and it's growing. Wow. Uh, the projected statistics say that by 2019, it'll be a $1.1 billion industry. I mean, that's on the level of hockey, soccer. Yeah. I mean, maybe not soccer. Soccer is ridiculously huge, World Cup and all, but like that's huge. $1.1 billion industry, as well as um, in 2016, uh, most events had a roundabout statistic of 131 million people consistently, like enthusiastically watching either online or at the location, as well as 125 million people occasionally watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like talking, and that's that's separate numbers. That's two different yeah. people groups. And, and that's, to, that's 250 million people watching, tuning into esports. Yeah, so, I mean, like, it, there's so many people who are into video games, and obviously, you know, so many people have grown up with video games now at this point in life. And yeah, yeah. You know, Matt, Matt just pointed out in the comments, you know, um, so many people are now growing up watching, like, Let's Plays on YouTube. And, you know, oh, yeah, like, and like what Twitch if, is huge right yeah, now. What and... are the top, you know, YouTube um channels it's all like the let's play guys like PewDiePie yeah, and all those yeah. guys who play through video games and you know i i work with kids all the time and they talk to me about their favorite you know youtube gaming shows like these minecraft channels and all these other different things that that people watch so i think it's definitely something that we're, we are getting closer to it being more of a normal thing not necessarily a stigma anymore um we're, we're not yeah. quite there yet though we have to wait for all these you know 40, 50 year old somethings to die off. But <laughs> um, so let's talk. A, let's talk a couple of questions because I mean, obviously, it's huge. Um, if you look at YouTube's viewing, uh, music is the number one thing that is watched on YouTube, and the second biggest thing is gaming, even over news and some of the other things, yeah. uh, how tos and all that. So why are esports so popular? Um, I think you know it's just it obviously has things like regular sports where mm-hmm. you have interesting stories and like drama between you know certain matchups Um, and then there's certain players that are very exciting depending on what you're watching uh for me like i like kind of rooting for smash players that are kind of like the underdogs or like yeah yeah underdogs are like they play like my favorite character or like choose you know a certain character that you know isn't very well known Mm -hmm. and they beat like you know a top dog and then you know it, it gets really exciting so i think you know it's pretty much the same thing as regular sports it's just playing a video game and obviously you're gonna have more interest in watching a sport if you've played it before so like yeah you know, i'm a huge college basketball fan i didn't play college basketball necessarily but i played basketball all growing up it's mm-hmm. always been one of my favorite sports to play so i love watching it um i really love like uh playing smash bros so that's my favorite esport to watch is yeah. smash 4 and then a little bit of melee now and then so so many people like League of Legends and Dota have so many people playing those They're games. Huge. And so yeah. when they can see the pinnacle of like play at that, um, and you know, that helps them on their game, they can, you know, try to mm-hmm. work on strategies and stuff. It totally makes sense why um those really big games are so popular. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, you know, video games are something that's so relatable. Because, uh, like, sometimes you look at the athletes in, like, football or basketball or something, they seem like superstars. I mean, they like, they seem like, you know, kind of that oh, yeah, celebrity yeah, level of, like, they're so distant. They don't look like an average Joe. Like, it doesn't look like a normal person. You can't relate to that person. I yeah. mean, this guy has hulking <laughs> shoulders and can tackle, you know, and tackles people for a living and spouts off on TV, and then you go to a video game where it's like you feel like you're in your safe zone. I mean, it feels like you're in a comfort zone. And it's easy to watch video game uh, esports because you start digging into it and you start watching these people, and they, it's enjoyable because you feel like you can relate to these people. You've played that game. Yeah. You understand a little bit of the strategy, and they, they seem – like obviously the celebrity culture of esports is starting to get a lot bigger because it yeah. is such a huge and growing industry. But, but At the same time, if you're standing next to Yao Ming, you're going to feel very small and underpowered and like – kind of yeah. weirded out if you're standing next to justin wong like the best street fighter player in the world like mm-hmm. you won't necessarily feel that way <laughs> like yeah. it seems like they anyone could do that almost like that could be you if you practice hard enough yeah absolutely but obviously there is a stigma that goes with esports because as we pointed out you know obviously the real sports argument is a big thing but we'll talk about that in just a second <laughs> but it's there is a stigma with it people have like even your friends were slightly embarrassed to say that they watch 
they're going to an esports competition. Yeah. And like even, you know, just beyond esports, video games in general are sort of a stigma still to this day where, you know, if you say, yeah. hey, I'm an avid gamer, people look at you like, really? <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like, do you have a I... job? It, people can sit in my workroom at lunch and pull out their phones and play like a crappy game on their phone or or, yeah, like, yeah. or do whatever on their phone. But if I pull out like my 3ds, like I'm gonna get like so many questions and like raised eyebrows. Still, like I know like are you a depends. child? Yeah, it obviously depends where you're at. You know, in Japan, mm-hmm. if you don't own a 3ds, you're weird. Like everyone yeah. <laughs> plays them there. Um, but you know, it it still is still is kind of a weird thing, which is odd to me because it's bigger than like any other entertainment media industry in the world. Like you could combine movies, music, all those video games make more by, you know, millions of billions of dollars. So, Mm -hmm. um, well, and I think one of the biggest signs that our world is changing and that is a stigma that's starting to change is still there, but it is beginning to, to transform and people are starting to recognize, like obviously ESPN has, I went, that's where I actually did a lot of my research was on ESPN. Cool. Um, so a lot of the articles were on there. You can check them out, um, and they're official ESPN writers. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, they have um, an esports uh, section on. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. But one of the biggest signs that this is not as big of a stigma as people think it is is who showed up at the Olympics this year, Mario. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I mean, the biggest world, the entire world is watching this, and yeah. people know who Mario is. It wasn't, so obviously, wasn't a Japanese like real top athlete like Ichiro or something like that. It was no, it was, it Mario. was He's the biggest Mario. Japanese like <laughs> superhero. And so people are now starting to realize that this is something that is they have to recognize it, if not as a sport, but as something. Yeah, as a significant so, part of culture in general. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I should bring up the next question: Should esports be recognized as real sports? Obviously, it's shown on ESPN. It uh, uh, traditionally shown on ESPN three, but it is starting to make its way up into ESPN two, um, and as well as Yahoo has an entire sports page about it. Um, there are many websites that uh, I mean, they have a, actual announcers who come into it. Uh, there was an NBA PK yeah, tournament that show that happened a couple of years ago where Kobe Bryant actually showed up and emceed part of it. That's up. An official NBA athlete, one of the most famous athletes in the world, one of the most best known, shows up at a tournament and recognizes it as a tournament sport. Yeah, that's cool. So is it, is it, should they be recognized as real sports? Um, I'm not, I am, I have no problem with them still calling it like esports, like signifying that, hey, this is a little bit different from regular sports. Um, You know, it's, you know, it's a video game that people play competitively. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the label esports, but at the same time, I I don't see why people. I don't think there should be disrespect to people who are esports yeah. athletes and do that. You know, people like esport athletes and real athletes are have the same exact motivation. They're mm-hmm. playing a game that they love and are passionate about, and doing it because they love it, and then finding the greatest competition to challenge themselves and maybe even, you know, get paid a little bit. That's the same thing, yeah. whether you're an e-sport athlete or you're a quote unquote real sport athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that they, you know, in that sense should definitely be recognized as real sports and real athletes. Granted, you know, e-sports are a different kind of sport than real sports, but um, yeah, that's what I think. I think in some of the ways we recognize so many different things as sports, like uh, some people actually recognize chess as a sport, which, I mean, I, I know it involves a lot of brain work and, you know, precise movements and stuff, but uh, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not like I'm an eSport athlete. Like, I love Smash. I put, like, you know, a couple mm-hmm. hundred hours into Smash 4, but I can't go to one of those tournaments and even pretend to be, like, decent like i would get completely no, destroyed like insane. there's there's nothing i could do like it's it's not like the these professional esport athletes are just like oh i'm kind of good at lol under this competition oh look i made tons of money and i'm on tv like no there's so much dedication that those guys have no oh, idea yeah. like they have to battle injuries for those like dota and lol players because they're pr- practicing and doing training with like their teams like 10 hours a day and like they're getting yeah. that carpal tunnel and like their eyes are exploding out of their heads so 
it, yeah, there's there's crazy amount of dedication. So I I have full well, respect no. for anyone who can do that. And actually, there are they are starting to add regulations to it, like actual, you know, like on athletes have regulations on their practices. They have regulations on like injuries and stuff like yeah. that. Um, as it currently stands, the individual players, the biggest difference between uh, most other sports and esports is the individual players on each team have to they take care of their own medical problems as well as they have their own insurance. They have to carry their own medical insurance mm-hmm. um, versus like an NFL star, they have insurance through the team. Yeah. Um, so that's the biggest difference. And that's mostly because a lot of the teams are put together by a group of people or friends or, you know, it's kind of, it's less of the, um, as big of a, a, a sports draft type thing. Yeah. Although there are esports draft. Yeah. Well, they there's... do draft people out of college into their team. So, I mean, I feel like it's hard to say that esports is not a real yeah. sport. Well, there's, there's colleges here in America that, will give full ride scholarships to uh to esport athletes like to come play for their team and represent them against you know other schools and stuff so yeah i mean if, if you can get a full scholarship doing something you can't say that whatever that skill is is not legitimate so <laughs> yeah I, I will put I really, that out there and i really love what uh matt just said in the comments he said personally i think saying a digital sport can't be a type of sport is like saying a movie can't be a story because it's not words on paper it is it's a different era we're living in an era where sports aren't just something that happens on the turf or on the court. Sports are something that happens in the digital world as well. And I think you'd be hard pressed. I mean, obviously there is a, there is a difference because there's a digital format. And so, but esports should be recognized as a sport. If, if and it's on, there's athletes willing to, you know, put their dedication and passion into it. And there's an audience to watch it, which there totally is. Um, yeah. I think it's awesome. And it, I think it's only, only going to grow as the industry um, gets bigger and video games become recognized more of a mainstream um, thing. Like, you know, I'm, I watched the finals of the Capcom Cup on Street Fighter this, um, oh, yeah. this last year, and there was like 130-something thousand people, like over 130,000 people watching that finals. And I know mm-hmm. Smash Bros. gets, a, um, you know, around 100,000 for their finals too. And, um, you know, Dota and LOL, those are even way beyond that. Um, so yeah. The audience is definitely there. Um Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely very interesting. I did want to uh, uh, just talk real quick um, a little bit about something a little bit controversial. Um, Evo, which is the world's biggest fighting game tournament, um, and those mm-hmm. are my favorite esports to watch. You know, those one v one fighting games, um, just the amount of skill and timing it takes just blows my mind. Um, but there's eight games in Evo this year, um, but they're going to put a ninth game in, but it's voted on. And so... Um, they took away some staple games that are usually in Evo, like Mortal Kombat and Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Um, and then Pokémon debuted last year. And yeah. they took all these games and said, hey, fans, you can go vote for your favorite game that you want to be that ninth game. Um, but you're voting with money and donations that we're going to give um, to a charity, which is an awesome idea. You know, they're raising money for charity. Um, but at the same time, um, it's kind of saying, hey, whatever fan base like wants to pay the most money to have their game in the competition, we're going to honor a little bit. And it created like it's creating a lot of bad blood, I've noticing, because yeah. Hoken has a really big fan base, despite the game not necessarily getting a lot of support from Nintendo. Like They're not mm-hmm. updating it. They're not really putting DLC characters out or anything. But there was over 1,000 people entered last year in its first year at EVO. And uh, Mortal vs. Combat is kind of dying off. Marvel vs. Capcom, same kind of thing because they're looking forward to the new one. Um, and Pokémon is like winning this, and all the Marvel vs. Capcom and like Mortal Kombat people are just freaking out that a yeah. Pokémon game is getting in over them, and they're a storied franchise that should be respected. And um, <laughs> the, the Smash community is freaking out because Melee isn't getting like the Sunday grand final stage. They're playing on Saturday and Smash Four is bumped to Sunday. And so like there's all these little divisions within esports and like even just fighting games. And I'm just like wondering like why can't like we embrace like we all love fighting games, whether it's Pokemon, yeah. <laughs> Mortal Kombat or whatever, or Skullgirls. Um and why can't we just come together and just enjoy the competition and just the fact that we like watching fighting games. So I don't know. I think it goes, I think it goes back a little bit to, you know, even in like uh, basketball, we all have our favorite teams. We all like our favorite teams and we want to see our favorite teams. And if you talk about the other team, we hate you. 
Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's kind of on a bigger scale because it's almost football versus basketball, you know, one game versus another. But it is kind of on that same scale of, you know, we're the best game ever. Why don't you recognize us? So <laughs> it's really funny. Um, and obviously the esports industry is not without its own controversies. Uh, that's a big one. There have been many controversies throughout the years. Uh, and Jaeger put in the comments, can't wait for the first eSport doping scandal. Already <laughs> happened several times. Um, one of the biggest things that happens in the eSports oh, is no. uh, performance-enhancing drugs, such things as Adderall, Ritalin, Who is doing this? Valium. Like, and are, are they actually, not they allowed were... to take, like, certain ibuprofens? Or, like, are these, like, legit, like, performance-enhancing drugs? Like, Well, like, Adderall is something you would take if you have ADD or okay. ADHD. Yeah. And if you take Adderall when you don't have it, what it actually does is it hypers up your uh, focus. Uh, so, so, like, basically better makes you, reflexes, like, kind of, almost? Yeah, and... better reflexes, hyper-focus. Uh, same with, like, Valium. That's crazy. Um, Ritalin is used for ADHD. Uh, actually, pretty much all the drugs that were used for in uh, esports like doping controversy is because um, people want to use these drugs for focusing. Yeah, and they're all basically ADHD or ADD drugs. Um, there was a big controversy with that one not too long ago. Uh, I say not too long ago; it was about 2013. There was a guy who uh, took a bunch of them, and as you know, drugs, even performance-enhancing drugs like these, have side effects. And uh, one of the side effects of this one Just was he, <laughs> uh, yeah, he had dependency on all that stuff. He kind of started to go off, came back onto them got into the game tournament and they kind of had this big problem with him being in the game tournament. And actually afterwards he uh, attempted to try, he attempted suicide because of it. And it's just like, already, you know, so already we have our great doping uh. scandals. We're already on the level of the best MLB and NFL <laughs> and NBA teams in the world. That, that's um, <laughs> well, it, it's hard too. Cause there's so many controversies that just have to do with the game setups themselves. Yeah. And Ge- Genesis comes to mind from a week or two ago yep. where, they found out, you know, halfway through the grand finals of like the top eight, that someone switched like the smash like launching ratio like by just point one percent, which doesn't seem like a lot, but that can actually, you know, save someone who should have died and not have them uh, die in mm-hmm. a Smash Bros match. And that was found after the game, and so like they, they weren't sure what to do, and so they just had them replay one game instead of the entire set. And so like that person yeah. was really mad that hey, you know, I I kind of got ripped off. I flew over here from Japan. And I paid all this money and. Now I lose something that didn't have anything to control, and it was probably like that for the game before. And, you know, people can argue lag, that they saw lag, and there's not really a way to prove yeah, that or yeah, not. Yeah, cheating or those type of things. Well, and I think one of the fun things about that is um, if you look at, like... Because the fun uh, thing about cheating? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the NFL, one of the biggest things that has occurred, you know, pretty recently is uh, there's been a lot of cheating scandal, particularly the Patriots. But also <laughs> with that, there's been a lot of factors outside of the player's control. Yeah. Um, like We're not even going to bring up the Flategate. <laughs> the Flategate is great. Fun stuff there. But, like, um, in uh, Minnesota last year versus the Seattle Seahawks, it was freezing cold. And that affects how the players play, yeah. you know, or like if there's a huge wind, you know, or that's something, the wind is going one direction yeah. and the kicker is trying to kick a field goal. And it's the same type of thing in video games. Just I think we just haven't discovered, sometimes. we just haven't discovered all of the areas that that will show up. Um, and I think it's starting to become more apparent things like legs or the launch uh, ratio is set to the wrong number or, you know, like those type of things, because it's a game, it's a sport. And obviously there's going to be things that happen outside of your control and a great athlete or esport athlete the best ones are the ones that are able to adapt and overcome the outside factors yeah and so you can complain about lag and cheating and all that stuff and people do and you know people complain about cheating or outside factors and all the other sports but you know what when it all comes down to it the winner is the one who finishes the game in first and you can't complain you can't change the score that's just what it is, and I think that that's something that's going to have to be recognized over the next few years in esports. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of to wrap this up, uh, if you could compete in any one esport, which would you choose and why? You could. You got to the level where you were good enough to compete in this one sport. Goodness. Which one would you pick? So I'm already good enough to compete. Which one would I want to be a part of? Yeah. Uh, I. I'd want to say Smash 4 if I already had the skill just because I love all the cast of characters and different mm-hmm. personalities that are associated 
um, with that. Like, there's unlike Melee, Melee always has like the same kind of like top three or four players. Yeah. Yeah. While Smash Four always like the top eight is so like the wide. Like, there's so many different players. Yeah, so diversified. Upsets. Yeah. And so I think it'd be fun to be be a part of that um, community. Um, if I had to start training, I think it'd also be fun to do Pokken. I'm I'm a big fan of Pokken. I actually did a tournament. It was a pre-release tournament up here in Seattle. Um, that Nintendo did for Pokken and me and Nathan and my wife all got to go and I, I got beat by my wife in front of a crowd like 50 people <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was actually kind of a cool story because I beat Nathan in the first round they put us against each other for some reason out of like 60 people and I had nice. to play my wife next and uh so it was a big storyline everyone's like oh like who's gonna win this husband or the wife the husband's more of the gamer we can tell and like went down to the final match and like everyone was going crazy and everyone thought I let her win I'm like no she legitimately beat me I don't she know how you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, that was a ton of fun. So I'd love, I'd love to get into that as well. Yeah, um, I think for me, I, I was trying to decide this one, and uh, I, I go back and forth between two. I really love the NBA 2K series, and I think some of the competition there is really cool, and it, it's super fun. And some of the times yeah. that you know, and they're bringing like new athlete, you know, the big athletes to come in from uh, the NBA and hang out with them and stuff, you know, and it, it's great. And um, I think. Halo would be another big one for me. Uh, yeah. I lo- I love Halo. Halo has been a, a love child of mine. You're I love good at Halo too. I'm pretty good at it, and I mean, I would not say Wait, don't which, quote which Halo game. Two. Halo two. Okay. Halo two. Uh, I'm not into not three. Uh, Halo two is my that's my game. That's my zone. <laughs> <laughs> but Lock I don't. Out. I don't... <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm not anywhere comparable to some of the professional athletes that are yeah. out there right now, um, as far as Halo competition, but I could definitely, I can definitely hold my own in some of the local competitions and that sort of thing. So I, I think that would be super fun and Halo's it would just a, be really cool. It was a very satisfying that. game to, to beat your friends in or <laughs> just competitions to win. So that's good. That's a good choice. Um, I also wanted to throw in this, uh, uh, listener question, uh, at Sumerster Fields, good friend of the show. He asked us, um, what is our favorite sports game of all time? So not necessarily mm. an eSport game, but just a favorite sport game. Um, I'm going to have to go with a bit of an underdog pick here. For some reason, not a lot of people remember or played this game. But Super Mario Strikers Charged, which is the sequel to the GameCube original, it was the first Nintendo Wii online game. And I was so excited to play like you know, Nintendo games online. I picked it up, and I played it like crazy um, with my brothers. I spent a week like with my cousins, and that's like all we played was two-on-two like strikers matches. And I ended up getting pretty pretty into the online scene, and they do like uh, weekly seasons and competitions. And uh, at one point during the season, I'll, I'll say it, I have witnesses, I reached number three in the world. <laughs> at a wow um, that's which, actually really impressive. Yeah, like we we played a ton. I I got really good. I figured out some. Not necessarily glitches, but there were some maybe plays and workarounds how you could figure out how to get goals that mm-hmm. may not have been the original um, intent of the design. Like you could kind of like <laughs> phase through the goalie as boo and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, it was a ton of fun. It was actually really deep. There's a lot of different aspects to that game. It found a cool way to use motion and like super moves and keep it zany like Mario. So. Um, yeah. I, would, I would love to enter like a competition somewhere for Mario Strikers Charge. Like, let's get the esports wagon running on the Mario Strikers wagon because I'm hopping in. But um, that's definitely a, a sport game. Not a lot of people play that I really, really enjoyed. Nice. Um, Give me a sequel for the Switch, Nintendo. Come on. <laughs> but here's hoping. Um, ooh. This is kind of a challenging question because I've I've really enjoyed a lot of sports games throughout the years. NHL on 64, uh, the Madden series, uh, particularly some of the older ones. Um, but I got to go with um, either NBA Jam, the older one, or the newer one. Um, yeah, I, one, I love those, both those games are amazing. <laughs> I love NBA 2K. Obviously, uh, Nathan and I, that's kind of our big game. We love to play that one together, and we compete against each other all the time in that one. But I got to go back to my roots. We're, we're talking, I mean, we're <laughs> talking the the classic basketball game is NBA Jam. Dude, I, Nothing take, like, NBA, I take NBA Jam over 2K any day. Like, I oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing beats just hearing him go, boom, shakalaka, or you're on fire. He's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, that was classic gaming back in the day playing each other on i had it on sega genesis i remember just 
beating my brothers thoroughly at that game oh, yeah. repeatedly because that I, was i still have my copy of the tournament edition for super nintendo and it was so hard me and my brother uh, yeah finally beat like the season like the championship mode and, oh like, yeah that was one of the crowning achievements like of our young gaming life like we finally beat it the unfair computers that would make the half court shots at the buzzer every time we finally every did single time <laughs> like you yeah, had to be the, up by three at least the newer one is um They've kind of toned. They've kind of uh, limited some of the the computer players' abilities, so it actually isn't as they don't hit the half court shots nearly as often. <laughs> but it still is super hard. I, I mean, like I said last week, you know, we we're talking mobile games. I have it on my phone. Love playing it. Super fun, and it's it's super fun that I can take it on the go nowadays. Yep. You know, one of my favorite sports games, and here I have it in my pocket. That's awesome. So great. Plus, you can play as politicians in NBA Jam games. Like you can play as oh, Bill yeah. and Hillary Clinton and or what Bush is it? and Obama. Uh, boys? Was it the Beastie Boys you could play as? Yeah, yeah, you can unlock the Beastie Boys. Unlock the Beastie Boys. Tons of that just really cool, unlockable, fun stuff too. So. Like the newer one had like a bunch of classic players you can unlock, and they had like a yep. stick figure team and. Lots of zany stuff, which was so. really cool. Um, yeah, lots of love for NBA Jam here on the show for sure. Um, so, oh yeah, um, that about wraps up all of our sports talk. Uh, thanks for sticking with us through that. Um, now we just want to let you know what we're playing this week. Um, Rob, you want to start us off? Yeah, so I was playing Fallout Three. Just got you know continuing playing it. Um, still going through it. Got a little bit further in some of the story uh, lines. I've been kind of working through them just because there was a couple that I'd been ignoring for a long time, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll finish some of them. Um, and then in my quest to play all the games in my Steam library, at least a little bit, I did, last week I said I probably wouldn't play Age of Empires 2 or 3 because I've played so much of them, but in, but then after talking about it on the show, I was like, I really want to play Age of Empires 2, so I played Age of Empires nice. 2, and that's about as far <laughs> as I got. I didn't go back to After Fall Insanity yet, um, I just haven't, just, uh, the motivation's not there, so I'm kind of thinking I might delete it and move on. Yeah, for, for those of you who uh, didn't hear, Rob's, one of his uh, 2017 gaming resol- resolutions was to uh, play through his Steam library um, a through Z. He doesn't think he's going to get through all of them this year because there's so many, but uh, um, he, he started what, off uh, in the A's. So. What what was it Nathan said last week? If I could make it just through the D's, that would be pretty impressive. Yeah, so ABC, I actually, ju- I kind of dropped that to my biggest goal. If I could make it through the D's in 2017, I'm doing really well. Um, <laughs> and you did commit to trying them for about 20 minutes at least before you... Yeah, uh, before yeah. You so I played, I played after Fall Insanity for about 20 minutes, and I just haven't... I don't know if I can get back into it. It was kind of hard to play, and graphically it was sort of not the best. And like yeah. I said last week, it was like Dead, Spe- Dead Space and Half-Life had a child, and it got dropped repeatedly on his head. <laughs> that, so <laughs> that's right. I uh, I uh, tried uh, Day of the Tentacle Remastered on a PS4. It was the free uh, PS Plus game. It was kind of the sequel to Maniac Mansion, which I never played but uh, heard about. And... Um, I, I kind of liked it. I could tell, you know, it was very 90s, very yeah. kind of point-and-click adventure. I love the Tim Schafer humor. Like, I, I really like Psychonauts. So um, I really like the humor and the writing. It's, it's very charming. Um, but it's also very slow. It does get a little little boring at times. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I gave it about an hour, and I had an okay time with it. Uh, we'll see if I ever get back to it, though. Um, not sure. <laughs> um, so as far as other games I played this week... Um, Geometry Wars 3. I did finally beat the adventure mode for that. Actually, right before the show today. Nice. Um, and I love that game. It's it's so pure. It's just great arcade fun. It's very simple and easy to understand, but there's actually yeah. a lot of depth to it. Um, my favorite thing about it, I don't think I mentioned it yet, is um, like a lot of twin-stick shooters have you moving one way and shooting kind of the opposite way, so you're moving mm-hmm. away from enemies and blowing them up. But Geometry Wars rewards you when you go into enemies and shoot them because... When you defeat an enemy, they drop these little green gems that you need to pick up that gives you multipliers for your score. So that's the key to getting a high score. It doesn't matter how many guys you beat. You've got to pick up these gems, which gives you more points for each kill that you get. And so um, it totally is that risk, perfect balance of risk-reward. And um, <laughs> after I beat the final boss, I've been going back and playing through some of the, you know, the earlier levels. Yeah. And the challenge is still there because enemies basically spawn on how quickly you defeat them. So... Once you have some drone upgrades and you, you get better aim and stuff, um, it just makes more enemies spawn at once, which just keeps the challenge. And you know, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I want to go back now and just play the whole game again, just try to get three stars in every level. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I'm having, having a blast with it. Definitely check it out. There's tons of different 
modes. There's even a co-op mode me and Nathan played. We we spent an hour trying to beat the final boss on co-op, oh, and we couldn't do it. Oh, it was, it was so fun. I just remember, uh, not Geometry Wars 3, but one of the earlier ones, one or two, I can't remember which one it was, but I just remember playing that one on Xbox 360 and just screaming the whole time. <laughs> like, you know, a couple of us were playing, like, I think it was the Infinite War, Infinite one, where you basically just go as far as you can before oh, you all die. Life, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you had, like, three or four lives, you know, uh, total. Yeah, but, there's a mode oh, where you yeah. have one life, there's a mode where you see how much you get in three lives, and there's another one yeah, where I think it was you're three timed lives. for, like, three minutes, but... It was three lives, and we just kept going and going. And oh man, half the time you're just screaming at everything because it's just one of those games, super intense, but you just have so much fun with it. Yeah, it's got this awesome techno music and. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and it gets more intense depending on. Um, yeah, it ramps up as you go. What you're. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the part that makes it addicting too is when you die, it pops up on the screen. And it says press press square to restart, and so you die and you're frustrated. And you're just like ah. And you just, mash square restart it yeah you're like oh restart try again and you just keep going until you you know hit that high score that you you're going for so um ton of fun i'd totally recommend it i picked up on the sale for like five bucks um i'd be probably willing to pay 10 15 bucks for it though there's a lot of content it's a lot of fun so um keep an eye out for that one um like i said playing through donkey kong jungle beat for the first time having a ton of fun with that um i'm kind of taking my time because i don't think it's a very long game i think i'm uh probably at least two-thirds of the way through and so i'm kind of taking a break plus you know you bong on those bang on those bongos for a while bong actually, on those bangos <laughs> you hit those bongos for a while and it actually hurts your hands like i have to take my ring off when i play because the metal yeah. like smacks against my skin um but yeah it's a ton of fun i i've been i'm having fun with it i you know still like the donkey Kong country games better but it is it does have some cool ideas and it's really satisfying to you know jump on a big like hairy enemy and then just wail on them with the bongos using your actual fists so um yeah it's a lot of fun it's it was made by the galaxy team so i see a lot of the inspirations and there's like little sound effects and stuff i can tell they reused <laughs> which is fun but uh i've been playing that and i'm fun and then uh go back into p cross uh this week which is you know the nintendo ds puzzle game um they have a free legend of zelda twilight princess p cross game you can get if you have a my nintendo account um, I got got back into that. Actually, <laughs> I showed one of my friends who's she's a she's an older lady, um, and uh, she I showed it to her because she was playing I think like Sudoku or some crossword puzzle. I'm like, oh, you should check out Picross. It's kind of like a mix of Sudoku and crosswords and um, Minesweeper. And I showed it to her, and she got really into it. Then she came back the next day <laughs> or like uh, four days later, and I saw her. And she had completed like a hundred puzzles on like a free Picross app. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so it's it's totally addicting. It's a really fun game. Uh, uh, makes you think a little bit with your brain, and I'm, I've been having fun getting back into that. It's a good game to just you know jump into before bed or something like that. So yeah, absolutely. No, that's awesome. <laughs> Yep. All right. Well, um, I think that about wraps up our show today. We'd like to just give a shout out to Jaeger and Matt in the comments. Uh, thanks for joining in, guys. It's been makes shows a lot more fun. We got you guys to to talk with. And as always, make sure to follow us on Twitter at HateListen underscore Games. Um, you can also find us on iTunes. Listen to us anytime you would like to. And uh, we're gonna leave you here with part of the official soundtrack to Shantae Half Genie Hero by Jake Hoffman. So enjoy that, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>